Winston of XXX. Um, XXX is a music, or sorry, was a, unfortunately, music, art, design, everything, space. Space? I said the space is no longer in existence. Over the last seven years, moving between three different venues and having its last show just over a month ago. Thank you for coming, guys. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Pleasure. Pleasures. I saw you gave me a look when I said was, because I know that XXX, though the space might be gone, does live on. The spirit lives forever. Was it? Well, we're trying to be a little bit less literal, a little bit less physical. Mm-hmm. You know, things go up, things come down, like the rain. Yeah. Water condenses, it becomes solid. What does it look like now, if it's not a space? Triple X, well, we've been doing like some pop-up events definitely lately. Uh, both in Hong Kong and in Shenzhen, actually doing one in Chengdu. So we've got two events in China next month in April. And like, so basically we're carrying the brand around and doing events, you know, that are related to the same concept, the same mission in different spaces. So the only thing that's different is that physical space is not there, mm-hmm. but we've already moved twice. So that space was never really about one piece of wood and concrete it was about something else. So that hasn't changed. No, I agree. Co-sign. I mean, I, I agree. It's kind of like uh, we can take it on the road, so to speak, um, and then hopefully bring some like pre- XXX presents, you know. So right now, what we're doing tonight included is is like a pop-up, kind of like, a, I don't know, victory lap, if you will. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like the race is still going and we're still involved, but it's just like, like you said, the brick and mortar is... No longer, we're not attached to it. I guess this is also a good chance, like for the audience that don't really know what Triple X is, and you know, maybe can clarify like who's doing what, what kind of role do you guys play in in the brand? I'm just like a head of operations, operations yeah. is head the title operations. I saw floating around yeah, the internet. Yeah. Do just a bit of A and R too. A and R operations, yeah, just do what needs to be done, basically. So that includes everything from making flyers to maintenance to I don't know. Um, sometimes picking up guests actually from the airport. Uh, so yeah, just being there for the brand, I guess. And to be fair, you've had a big role in programming as oh, well. Yeah, for I sure, mean, yeah. first of all, all the, all the movie nights were like largely your baby. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other things that have gone on, you put together or you connected with various crews in Hong Kong to put them yeah. on. So I'm kind of just like a behind the scenes guy. So I don't like to be like upfront, uh, but yeah, that thing. Both of things. you are pretty behind the scene. I guess so. In some See, ways. I followed you behind the scenes, man. Like was, people <laughs> yeah. always said, he's the underground guy, he's yeah. the behind the scenes guy, just because I take stupid photos and post them. <laughs> but besides that, like I don't even go you're, out, I'm behind the scenes. Yeah, your life is more domestic, but I mean, as far as like on the scene, I'm behind the scenes. So like, gotcha. I'm not like front and center. I don't like to be at least, you know, so yeah. you know me. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I know you can. You know, so it's not, it's not a little bit, but I mean, I, I would say, I would say, Triple X has been like a space first and foremost for different people, artists, crews to experiment creatively. Mm-hmm. So that's that means putting on events. That means 
um, using this space for for classes or study sessions, uh, dance classes, drum we class. show drum classes. I mean, there's been such a variety of things that have gone on there over the past seven years. When I actually think about it now, it's shocking. Mm -hmm. Like, James did a great job in putting this this XXX zine together, and it like was amazing. And we probably put you probably put like five percent of what actually went on. Over yeah, I mean, years it wasn't an exhaustive zine, like, um, but just for people who don't know what XXX was, it, it's a good starting point to just show to that to them instead of like trying to explain it. Um, but yeah, going through all the all the iterations of XXX, all of the events we did, it was like it's crazy, like. Just the the sheer amount of things. You it know? was very emotional. I I had a good read on them. Just yeah, really, yeah. It's heartfelt, you know. It's like yeah. You guys it's, throw a lot of community events too. Which is yeah, really we dope. tried to. I mean, we can definitely say personally, it's been a very important part of my life, and I'm sure yours too. Over these years, definitely, it's been a commitment in terms of time, energy, passion, everything, um, and it's been so so worth it. But. Just as importantly, like a lot of other people have invested like experience, time yeah. into this space. You know, I know as, some, as someone who's through parties before there was a triple X and other venues yeah. that you create your own space, you create your own event, whatever the space is. And oftentimes you just want the venue to get out of the way. I think we've been probably staying out of people's way in terms of creatively, like we put on all kinds of events over these years. Yeah. Like, I don't care if I like all the music. Like, that's not what it's about. It's not about me, yeah. right? Um, let it live. But, like, we've hopefully at the same time been able to partner a little bit because we also do events. Mm -hmm. So we try to also push the envelope in terms of, of our own programming. Yeah. So we use the space, obviously, over those years so much to try out, try out ideas. Yeah. And I think that that kind of, in a indirect way, creates a more of an environment for other people to try new things out, yeah. whether it's at XXX or at other spots over the years. Mm. I think it's that kind of mentality that like really makes people feel like very like comfortable and like approaching you guys and do like all sort of ideas, you know, because you guys are very like down to do whatever events that host, use, use that space to. Yeah, I think it should be a little free form and experimental mm. um, as far as trying new things, especially in Hong Kong, you know, where mm. they might not be used to to different forms of partying, you know? Yeah. yeah. On that note, when you first started in 2011, did you feel like people weren't really getting it? Did it take a bit of time for people to understand what you were about? I found people were pretty thirsty, actually. They were pretty interested pretty early on. I mean, it was, it was something new. And people always say, you know, in Hong Kong, people love something new. But then the fact that it had a bit of staying power, I think that was due to the fact that there wasn't really anything like that. Mm -hmm. There was the hyper-commercial club scene, and then there was a tiny bit of underground events, but they didn't really have a home, you know, or it might be in like a restaurant or something like that, and it would have to move in a few months. So like big kudos to the crews that made that work over those years. But we were able to kind of create a little bit of a, you know, semi-home as much as people wanted it, but it became that so quickly. So that was one of the surprises that how much people latched onto it and felt like this is really important. It became an integral part of the Hong Kong cultural Landscape. scene. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was surprising to me how well that worked. Yeah, do you think something that you guys have had a lasting impact on is growing that base, like growing that feeling in the city? Like right now, more, you said already like, when you started, people were thirsty, and now seven years is like an even greater hunger for that. Yeah, I think it's it's part of the story of the city, uh, so to speak. Um, and 
how it lives on and how it manifests itself. Like we talk about ghosts, you know, ghost is, ghosts are basically what, what sticks around, like what sticks around from what a person, the experiences you had with the person or a place. So um, in that respect, yeah, I feel like it'll have some reverberations, hopefully. Yeah. At least with within like the crew of people I know, like you and, you know, within our team, it has reverberations. So, so yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. And then in terms of like how people adjusted to it and if people were ready for it generally, but a few people still had to get, get the message, like, there would still be people early on that would walk in the door and be, you know, not quite understand what, what this was. What is this space? Is it commercial? Is it not? Is it a house party? Is it like a bar? And does that mean I can do anything I want? Does that mean I can like grab, grab girls' asses and I can, I can go, uh, take a piss in the corner. Are those both things that have happened? Of course. (laughs) Of course. Just one for the record. times. And it's, and, and it's horrible to see. Um, and, I mean, I think that happens in clubs all over the world. I would, I would say one the thing grabbing, I realized is that it's, less, it's a lot less. Yeah. And we certainly supported, you know, proper behavior and respect. And I think it was just a factor of people not understanding what kind of space they were in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry. You, no, no, no. Because it's almost like a no rules thing in yeah. some regards, but that doesn't mean like all the rules are out the window. Exactly. Exactly. And this is a really key point. You know, anarchism is not no rules. Anarchism is we create the rules that make sense for us here. Mm. That means more responsibility to stand up and be a human and be a part of our society. That's, I think, what we built a little bit of is people have to treat each other with respect. Otherwise, we'll keep them accountable. We we actually know each other from uh, a co-op. So that's where we first met, like back in uni. So that's kind of in line with with that, like cooperative living and actually like self-governing, you know. Like a block from the UC Berkeley camp, two blocks from the UC Berkeley campus. Did yeah. you guys do any parties back then? Or, yeah. You know? To give some background, <laughs> you guys. Eka Mouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eka Mouse. That's what I used. To give some we background did. for other people, both of you are from SF and you guys yeah. moved here 11 and nine years ago, something like that. Yeah, like eight years yeah. ago, yeah, for me. Um, so, yeah, we had a record label um, called Solos Records back in the day, like in the university years. Um, so we would throw events around that. And then even before then, he would have his own like drum and bass parties for Paradise Hellfire. <laughs> so yeah, that's like he... Throwing it back. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we're, so, so actually, I mean, we'll get into that later when we present the music. But part of this was trying to like continue that and bring music that we like, including some of like our old crew to Hong Kong and present, you know, present them with this new like market and present people here with, you know, different sounds or whatever. So... Why Hong Kong? Why did the two of you decide to move here? It's kind of random. I mean, it, it, it's a very interesting place. There's nowhere like the city um, in so many ways. And it's just kind of like random situation where you know, I got an opportunity, to, an opportunity to come here in like 06 or whatever it was. And um, just went for it, you know. Sometimes you just follow opportunities and see what, see what comes of it. So when I first arrived, I didn't know anyone here. And you didn't come necessarily with like this mission to do something for culture in Hong Kong. It was, it was, it, there's just always been dual parts of my life going at the same time. So I've had, you know, multiple projects and, you know, like I started DJing when I was 18, you were probably like even younger. Yeah. I was 16 when I went to uni. Right. 
Or no. How old was I? You were 17. My sister was 16. Well, that's pretty young. They go to uni at 17. Yeah. Uh, But me, I came to Hong Kong because basically like, yeah, so he came to Hong Kong and then I visited him and I was just, it was just like a trip. Uh, And then I went back to the States and then kind of like the economic uh, crisis recession happened. So I was just like unemployed um, on unemployment and just like chilling, you know, making music, partaking in other activities during the daytime. Um, and then he was like, yeah, just come out here. I was like, yo, James, <laughs> yeah. let's do this. He was like, yeah, just come out here and see how you like it. And, and I, at that time, like a lot of my friends were leaving the Bay Area already. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, yeah, why not? And um, yeah, I guess the years went by. Wow. So hyperspeed. Yeah, I was actually t- just talking to Glenn's mom at the event I was DJing before. And, mm-hmm. and then I was just saying, like, I didn't plan to be here for, you know, eight years, but it's just like... Just just happens. Years, yeah. No, it's a commitment. It, it made sense to to just continue, I guess, the 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 journey here, you know. I feel like a lot of people are like that too, like coming to Hong Kong and I feel like the momentum is like if you really have something going on, like it just keeps going. It yeah, so easy exactly, to, yeah. to keep building things with people. And that doesn't mean that all the years were easy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult sometimes, like um for various reasons, but yeah, it just stuck with it and just continue doing it. You have to be somewhere, you know. You know, so right. <laughs> and it, and it's less for me about why I came here than it is why I stayed, because you know every, every year the past decade I could have left, um, smartphone contract notwithstanding, and like Netvigator contract notwithstanding. Oh, yeah, I got to pay. They get you like these two years, two yeah, years. Yeah. Like, I can't <laughs> leave then. Going somewhere? That is true. I am actually in the middle of that uh, dispute right now. Like yeah. Just the internet like never worked for me. Like I, it would just like break down every month. Yeah. And, like I pay like a month and then I'll need to wait for two weeks to get some guy to wait for another two weeks to come here and fix it. Damn. And then it will just break down again. So I I, I, I terminate my contract. But then now I need to like pay, pay for like a $4,000 bill. Wow, yeah. But I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like and he was like, well, if you want to like disregard that, you need to sign a new contract. Uh, I'm like, well, the you. whole problem hasn't yeah. even solved yet. Why? Why would I do that? You know. So I'm just in the middle of this bullshit. That's I think bullshit. You, have to, you have to eventually just pay off the lump sum. I think. Really? As your financial I can't get, advisor. I can't. Yeah. Uh, well, Triple X doesn't have gigs anymore for me. Yeah, exactly. Pay it off. <laughs> but for Actually, real, like that's that's how it is. I have, I have fiber optic right now, which is okay. super exciting. Just want to say that. Stop super posting. Fast. It's all right. Another, another five years uh, contract? No, it's only one year. It's great. <laughs> okay. All right, so every year you can evaluate if you're going to stay exactly, or not. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you make it you make it known. I don't have to be here. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm pay tired off, of this. Pay out the lump sum. <laughs> drop, drop it. Oh, man. But, yeah. but like I stayed here. One of the main reasons, obviously, these past seven years has been Triple X. Mm. It's been kind of out of the, as a surprise to me, it's become this like noble thing in my life. Like this is what I'm doing. It's like one of the things that I'm doing in my life. Um, and you know, every time we would move to a new space, that meant that our last lease had expired. Mm. And every time we had to think, well, what are the options? What should we do? Should we continue? Should we not? Mm. Et cetera. And every time it was like, wow, if we were to shut it down, it wouldn't only impact our lives. It would impact a lot of other people's lives. And that was been like a main, that's been a main reason why it's continued for those seven years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't always feel like owning a nightclub. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate nightlife. I hate nightlife half like 90% of the time. Has it always been like, was, was it because like the first time it happened, like, you know, you need to close down that space. And 
everyone have a really good response saying like you need to continue this and that's why you're trying to find another space that's why we doubled down and we, yeah. we went bigger for the second space yeah. you know it's actually a big change that was really a double down because okay. the first space for two years was like a very diy mm. just throw some stuff in a room and see what happens yeah um and put like signs on the wall and sell art quote unquote yeah. but then going to the next place we're like oh shit maybe we can do this right and not worry about the police all the time get a yeah, liquor license yeah you know do everything to be legit um <clears throat> and then that meant like a lot more expenses that definitely yeah. um but we did it that's why it was a double down it was a three-year three-year double down and yeah. you can't get out of those contracts either not so easily especially when you put so much money into the renovation yeah so you might as well work it out um, do you guys have a lot of like police complaints? And once you've done all the like legitimizing like the, the the business running, yes. I feel like that's still, still <laughs> we had like a lot five times more police contact after being legit. Thing is, yeah. like we were able to fly under the radar um, some of those years. Okay. But when we were actually licensed, that's when they gave us the most shit. That's when they came by weekly to check the same goddamn license they, that they checked the previous week that expires in seven months. Um, so it's kind of like. Once you're in the system, those cops have a list. They have to mark to so regulate. many yeah. on their quota per week. So we're on that list. So they have to come by and they have to do something. Um, whereas when we don't have the license, we just kind of fly to the radar unless there's real complaints. I want to bring it back to what you said about how the last seven years turned into this noble thing you were doing. Because I kind of saw it, or just my understanding of your financial situation is that you weren't soluble necessarily for a lot of it, right? Like I think just people who've been there would realize the same thing, which makes it almost seem like a mission that you guys are on or like, do you know what I mean? It's like, well, I mean, obviously what we is said not... is like, if we were trying to make money, we're not going to yeah. open up that club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably like invest in Bitcoin 10 years ago, like, <laughs> like, like seven years ago. Like there's, there's other ways to make money. This was not about that. This was about having a space. And then secondly, can we make a stand up on its own? that was always difficult. And also, I think you said this earlier, is that there were a lot of personal sacrifices that you made, which you, you said you don't regret them, but those exist, right, for both of you, that there were some things that had to give way because of doing this. Yeah, I mean, What's your biggest sacrifice? My biggest sacrifice was just time. I mean, so not as big as his sacrifice. His was like time and bankrolling it, you know? So my, my biggest sacrifice was like, Yes, sprinkling it. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, just time. And a lot of times it's, um, you know, it's it's a thankless uh, journey, you know. So especially when, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you catch someone peeing in the corner or, or yeah. And it's your friend who <laughs> loves Triple X. <laughs> Is it? That wasn't my friend. I mean, I, I remember, Sometimes I remember, so. yeah, I remember one time I was like closing up and you know, I probably just cleaned someone's throat for like the... Millionth time. <laughs> I've cleaned up a lot of y'all throw up out there. <laughs> I know what your insides look like. And then, like so I was like, couch. okay, I'm done with that. I'm pissed already. <laughs> um, and then, like, I, I opened the door, and then some guys just, like, pissing in the corner there, and I just, like, went off on him. Like, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, and I was just like, what the fuck? You think this is, like, a bathroom now? Like, yeah, so that's the type of stuff that we had to deal with. Yeah, um, but it's not just time. It's time and all of that heart and effort that you yeah. don't get. Um, feedback from necessarily, right? Yeah. Like it's, you have to constantly be telling yourself like the time that I put into it is worth it. And you're somehow like continuing that narrative in your head. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why 
like doing things like the movie night, that's, you know, it's for everybody, but it also is just for me, you know, because I want to watch some of those movies, whether it's like <laughs> revisiting those classics or like yeah. a new movie, you know. Um, so, it, so you can kind of like kill two birds with one stone in that way. Um, but yeah, like it's true what you said. It's true for sure. What about you? Yeah, I mean, Sacrifices. I agree with all that. I mean, it is a lot of time. I mean, just going through that zine was shocking just how many flyers, were, you know, both of us have made over the years and how many like, just how much, how, how much excitement you put into certain events over the years. I do feel like it's easy to get burned out when you do it like oh, so sure. regularly for so many years. But then you do have a formula if you do it regularly, like, yeah. you know, you have yeah. your templates and. Oh, I'll knock out a new so event like, flyer in like in yeah. five minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But so, that formula can grind on you too, right? Because then sure, you're like, yeah. oh, now it's just repetitive. I, and I, I think there is something to, you know, when you're brand new, you get a lot of like positive reinforcement. And then once you become sort of like part of the wallpaper, taken for granted, then maybe a little bit less. But I, I don't do it for that. You know, I always kind of, to your point, like I do tell a story. I do paint a picture for myself why I'm doing this. You know, why am I doing this thing that is really a pain I don't feel like doing right now? Mm-hmm. It's for this other thing. Um, it's for, it's for, you know, building upon what there is already. And, you know, hopefully like it, it's a communal, it's a communal exercise. Yeah. What we do is hopefully encouraging other people to do, to push it in new, new directions. Especially, so what, yeah. Especially when you inject or when uh, promoters and organizers inject new concepts into it. Like, so Gavin from mm-hmm. Absurd Tracks was like, yeah. that was a huge boost. Like that yeah. made me happy that we had a space to provide for him. And then Tedman with the Dragon Town. Um, so like, that's like, oh, it's like, it's like a reinvigoration, you know, to what you're originally set out to do. So exactly right. It's rewarding. It is, and it is exciting to see new, new crews coming up and doing really, yeah, in some ways when, when we started, you know, I wanted to do my events, but I was thinking more about Li-Fi, heavy Hong Kong, these kind of reggae drum and bass parties. That's like what I had in mind. Like, will he do events here? If yes, then I'll get this space. Um, and I just think about the landscape back then and who was doing events and what types of variety and what, what kind of numbers they were turning out, et cetera, and how it is now. And it's, you must see how much, how, how much more diverse it is, how much has gone on over these years. Obviously, you know, people come and go when it's foreigners, but for the most part, I do think there is a scene here that has grown and diversified over these years. We've had something to do with that. Yeah, I think when you were saying about ghosts, you live in those people's stories as well, especially yeah. at the beginning of a lot of people's stories. Yeah, uh, not every dream that you show up in is that of your own. Gil Scott <laughs> So yeah. good one. Um, absolutely. So we live on, I guess that's like a living ghost in that case because we, we existed then. But, you know, when I when you think about somebody like Kelvin T or Young Queens, you know we helped. Um, we were, I guess, part of their coming out into you know Hong Kong. Um, you nurtured music them landscape, at- yeah. Tried to nurture and foster their talents and give them a space, yeah. So, okay, so I know you don't have regrets, but is there something looking back on now after a little bit of time has passed that you would have done differently? We have a page of regrets in the zine. <laughs> well, the, that was more, what comes to mind now. Events that we hadn't, that we, that we had, had yeah, the idea. Never came to, to fruition, yeah. But actual regrets, things we wish we had done differently. Oh, there's a couple of bookings I would have probably held back on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. 
no names. <laughs> or in terms of, yeah, I don't know, just is there a way that this could have been a money-making proposition without having diluted the vision? That's something I think about myself. Like, is there a way to make a thing that is true to what you want and sustain itself? Or does the does that commercial part of it then taint? I mean, I think it's fair to say that like, I've always had other projects on. I've never gone full time into this. And if I had, you know, if if I woke up at 8 a.m. and worked on Triple X until 5 p.m. and then did more events in the evening and that was my life like that, then I'm sure we would have done more. I'm sure we would have brought in more revenue. Would it have been enough to cover my own rent and everything? I don't know. Probably not. But um, I think we all have to try. And there's more than one model. I think that is one of the keys here for me is that, you know, you can quit your day job and then go um, pro um, or you can like have other sources of income and have quote unquote projects. I mean, they're all projects and that's also valid, you know, as, as a way to try to do things. We only have a limited number of years and days, so we'll try to do as much as we can. But I also feel like like as the year passed, like you guys also feed off a lot from the community that people really like trying to, you know, help out and like, you know, they'll do a lot of things to make their ideas successful and then, you know, also help you guys, right? Yeah, I think for a lot of those cases, it was mutually uh, beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, just like Tedman wanted like a, a venue for his party, you yeah. know, so, um, so yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it's just like mutually beneficial. I mean, there were times though when we, you know, didn't want people to come to our club. Like, whatever small voice we had over these years, we've there have been a couple times when we were using it for a different purpose than come to this event at Triple X. Like during the Umbrella Revolution days or Umbrella Movement, during those weeks, you know, at certain key points, we used our voice to say, "Don't come to Triple X. Don't come to any party. We're closing." our events are canceled do something else you know so yeah it's like it's not a time to party right now Mm. or it's maybe time to come together but not um, in this form yeah Yeah. exactly yeah it's interesting because after you've been in the city a while you have a like you're saying you have a voice you have influence that can be pointed towards different things that you support and i think that you you still have that now without the space you still have that voice and influence Still got a little cred, yeah. Oh, definitely. Hopefully. Yeah. Something you guys said in your the end of the New Year's media piece, which might have been tongue in cheek, is like you're like you were pointing back to the videographer and like, oh, you guys should do this. You know, like more people in Hong Kong need to do this. Yeah. Why not? Is it's funny because they were like uh two two guys and a girl. So it's kind of like that that scene in Shaun of the Dead when they like run into their exact like uh yeah. People are like just like them running yeah. from the zombies. They're like, hey, you guys take over now. You guys just like us. We're the videographers. I didn't now. get the joke at the time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, I mean, that is the thing. Like, we always, you know, you see a lot of competition, like co- competitive mindset in Hong Kong. Like, it's all a zero sum game. I've never seen it that way. We've never worked that way. You know, there's a there's room for us to build a larger pie in terms of the cultural output in Hong Kong. So we don't need to be fighting over our chunk of the drum and bass nightlife pie and fight about that. I mean, let's just build everything, you know? So I think whenever people were doing events at other 
spaces, clubs, or whatever, we'd let them advertise at our place, which seems normal, seems basic to me. But I was shocked when I came to Hong Kong first, like, that is never done. Um, people don't play about that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, let's think a little bit longer term. We're trying to build a community, you know, and a vibrant social, social and creative scene that's going to make money for people if we build it bigger. Um, so, you know, we worked on definitely relationships and less about transactions. Talking to you guys, it kind of like remind me, like, it's crazy how like seven years ago, like I was in Vancouver and just found out about like a producer that I look up to Eric Lau and like K Mello, it's like, you know, the get up, which is like the soulful, like, you know, funky, like vinyl, like kind of, kind of nights. And, and there's like triple X is always in the background, you know, it's like all the, the flyers and everything. It's like always there. So I was like very curious, like Hong Kong is like doing something big. And now it's like fast forward. Now everyone's like chipping into this, this community. And I think it's a very good way of you guys summing it up. It's like you trying to be like, you know, be collaborative. Everyone trying to be involved, you know, not just so, do something bigger than yourself, you know? Yeah. So if someone else opens up a club that's like, like triple X, you know, yeah. I mean, we want more. Honestly, yeah, we want more and more and more options uh, and more variety in, in the city. That's the main thing. But it's it's also kind of cool because I feel like a lot of cities that I travel to and not many cities are kind of have our mindset in Hong Kong where it's very open mind to collaborate because like they all, we always felt like there's a void that's like not enough, you know, to co it's funny though because yeah. Cassidy was saying that he feels like Hong Kong is competitive. If if mm. I didn't mishear you, but you're mm. saying that you feel like it is open-minded. It's very. I feel like competitive in the sense that it's more money-driven. It's like you gotta do like the cost and benefit and everything. But it, in terms of like cultural output, I feel like people always want more than what it is. And a lot of cities like Taipei or like Japan, I feel like they're very content already. They have like their own market, and you know they have their own formula of putting out. I don't know. I just just my. This is fine. No, no, no. It's good to hear. Yeah, that's just how I see it. I wonder if it's because we don't have, if Hong Kong hasn't really established what its sound is or like what is the Hong Kong scene. Do you think there will ever be one though? Hong Kong is so international that. Do you think there will ever be like a defined sound? Well, what's the sound of Shanghai, for example? Yeah, I mean, I you you have to look to the people who grew up in Hong Kong if you want to talk about the Hong Kong sound. Yeah. yeah, I think, and that's why the events that really I think were actually the best events were like eighty percent plus local mm -hmm. turnout, like the like the Dragon Town events, like like a lot of the events where like even. Some things that are a little bit on the face of it, a little bit corny, like some like b-boy battles and stuff where it's like teenagers, like high school kids with like the battles and they start at 2 p.m. They go to 9 p.m. and et cetera. But like that's the youth, though. That's the youth. And like that's actually you, if you want to talk about Hong Kong scene, I don't really want to talk about like people who came here and they leave in two years. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. you know what I mean, I, of course, there's the influence of international people here and there's got to be. And I'm speaking as one of them. Absolutely. But like, all I can do is to come here and maybe like foster a space, yeah. you know, but I can't speak for Hong Kong in that sense. No. And what do you guys see like Hong Kong? Is there like a new sounds that's coming out from like, or a new culture that's coming out from Hong Kong for the past few years? A lot of bands, band stuff going on for years, pretty hype scene. But also like for us, like we're probably more in, exposed to the trap scene. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say I guess that's the biggest movement uh, that's that's out of Hong Kong and I guess the greater China area. Is that yeah. area? <laughs> that's a pretty pretty great area. But um, Pearl River trap music, Pearl River Delta yeah. and beyond region. Interesting, yeah. Trap music, man. Trap music has been blowing up, but it's interesting because I went to China this year and like last, like end of last year, and felt like there's a lot of pressure into going into R&B. Like China R&B is already really. kind of like moving on, trying to move on from from trap. Just because of the, the big show. Huge is- market. I think they're diversifying. I think yeah. it's going to solidify. I mean, even, I mean, if the government's not outlawing hip hop. Right. You know, I don't think they can ever me- stop it. It's like, they're going to stop the commercialized, like commercial aspect of it. But do you remember, James, when we went to Guangzhou for that event, like a year ago or something? What and we that? went... We DJed in Guangzhou. Yeah. Remember that, right? Is that the hangover? Like a year ago for this one play. Hangover. Yeah, exactly. And um, like we went to this after party, right? And it was. Oh, yeah. You remember this night, right? It was random as all fuck. Yeah, I DJed the the fashion event beforehand. Yeah, that was funny. Right. And we were like in this like studio of, of this like Guangzhou rapper. And he had like a huge scene going on. Like he had like dancers. He had like. So much gear everywhere, and they're just like playing videos of like their friends, and like yeah, that was funny. popping off. Yeah, but is, would you call that trap, or that's just like a hip hop? I would, I would say just hip hop in general, um, because I mean, we don't want to be like a trap venue either, or we we didn't want to be when we hosted Tedman stuff. But that's one of the things we like, you know. But I think we're it's in the broader sense of it, we're fans of you know hip hop. Uh, as amongst other things, of course, but that's why that appealed to us, you know. Um, We've been kind of talking a lot about like being organizers and the artist side of things, but we did mention the fact that you guys used to get a lot of police checks, right? Do you think it's possible for the Hong Kong authority figures to ever change their attitudes about the music scene, about culture in general in Hong Kong? Is it possible? I guess it's, it's possible, but what it's would unlikely. it what would it take? What would it. it take for it to change? Do you think it would take them all the funding and organization, all the institutional structures that are supporting culture in Hong Kong, like the West Kowloon Cultural District, like the um, whatever it's called, LCA, um, LCSD. LCSD. I mean, basically, all of this needs to be put in the hands of people who are actually doing it. Like they need to actually quote unquote co-opt or partner with actual people who are doing events and actually have their fingers on the pulse of real things in this city culturally. Instead, what they're doing is they're creating a sanitized version that they can get approved through their approval chain. And they'll have to go hire people who kind of look the part and can follow all their, jump through all their hoops. But it creates this like shadow, shadow culture, shadow window into culture. Which, you know, they'll, they have some good people involved, but more often than not, it looks really, really toy and corny. And that's because, you know, the people who are actually doing things that are actually relevant are not always involved in those like official events. And they need to bridge the gap if they want to really represent the people. They've, they've shown absolutely no interest in representing the people though. But do you think that's also coming from the ground up, like audience just don't get it like for example i heard a lot of um so recently there's uh, during art basel week there's um public music event in uh, hong kong park 
or is the, the visual center where it's like pairing audio and visual. It's like the live band. I don't know if you guys know the name of it. I just heard from one of the... Is that the free space thing or... Yeah, or these like, it's just like a time where with 19 musicians like playing the music right and then with oh. the color like um, uh, uh, triggering at the same time. This guy's like playing percussions in, in the prison cell. I've seen the adverts, yeah. Yeah, so... It, it sounds like, you know, it's like a very, it's all, all Hong Kong musicians. Everything's Hong Kong producers, everything's from local. But then turns out there's a lot of complaints from the surroundings saying like, hey, this is noise. Like there's noise complaint, police come here and shut it down. But this is Art Basel event. So people from Hong Kong actually putting money in this and, and actually growing these artists. But then the audience just don't, it's like, I don't want to support this. They will go that down to Art Basel and buy a million dollar fucking painting. So they need to, they need to complain when the DAB is, uh, has their megaphones on <laughs> these days. Because that's, that's public nuisance or whoever, whatever party it is that's... Yeah, you know, no, I'm with you. Because I've always thought about that. So it's, it's, a, it's an issue when people are playing music publicly, but, but when these... Um, these political parties are basically promoting mm. their person to vote for and they have their megaphones out and they wake you up like at 9 a.m. on Saturday or Sunday morning. That's oh, yeah. that's not... So, yeah. I, I think there's, there's just a, some kind of situation here where people look at things in a black and white way. I mean, they'll see value if there's dollars that, you know attached to it. You know, people think that someone's sick if they can see a lab report that shows that they're sick. But if they have mental sick illness, then they might not have accepted that yet in Hong Kong. I think that, I don't know exactly why, you know, I'm not trying to like be, sound too judgmental, but I mean, I think I would love for people here to kind of understand the softer value, yeah. the indirect value of artistic expression and, you know, risk taking in general. And I think that as an artist, you need to take risks. You need to have the space to do that. And because of the commercial environment here, it's very hard to do so. Even academically, people don't don't have the chance to take risks because of all the pressure. So there's, there's something economic, there's something cultural. And I can't say too much more about it, except that I do think that it's important to build the space and to encourage risk taking yeah. amongst the youth and amongst everyone. Yeah, I wonder if there's something that us, like regular folks, can keep doing that would eventually change the people with authorities' minds. And I know I totally hear you, and I'm on board with like it not being likely, but I still wonder, like, is there something you and I, the people in this room, like, can do it that would further that that would make it just, just incremental, incrementally more incremental likely? Change, yeah. Um, just like the political process that he probably more believes believes in more than I do. I get more frustrated with it, but I still follow it. But I think it's just incremental change, you know, just like you can't wave a magic wand and just have things be more to, in your in your uh, eyes, more progressive. I think it's just like just the, for the same reason that Hong Kong is different than it was six or seven years ago, you know, when it comes to music and art. And that's not just what's happening in Hong Kong, but that's what's happening globally as well, which I feel a lot of people are locally fail to see, you know. Um, so, but yeah. I think for this kind of stuff, you need to think generationally. I think you can't go and try to change someone's mind who's been living a certain way for 50, 60 years in these ways. Um, I think you have to have like really important experiences for youth, you know, as children. And then they need to carry those experiences with them and have 
some outlet, some way to kind of work through those experiences in a positive, creative way. And then they need to get older and then they need to have children. <laughs> and those kids are the ones influenced by yeah and that's that goes back to the ghost thing right. yeah I, I, absolutely so you can't just of... go like fight for right. you know the change right now I, unfortunately it is as you said james it's incremental and i yeah. say it takes time and generation I mean, yeah it's like the people the people of the 60s students of the 60s they grew up they had like purchasing power bought a house so some of them got probably a little bit more conservative than they used to be but they had an effect probably on the generation that came next and they were better or more forward thinking than the generation that came before them so so yeah, yeah like exactly said, that 60s generation like brought drugs onto the scene yeah Rec recreational drugs Sexual that revolution. changed everything yeah needles the 60s <laughs> <laughs> it's real it's real Inside my, Ghost my whole life is alive. real <laughs> yeah but would you say, because like I know Hong Kong, like TST, that area is also like, you know, they're pumping a lot of money into building new cultural spaces. Did you guys see that as a, a step up in, in, in doing cultural events, um, you know, really pushing that boundary? Or is it just another way of getting tourists in? You know, in a forum, I guess. So, I mean, like you were, didn't you go to like the opera last night or something? Symphony? Symphony. So, I mean, that's yeah. a cultural event. Oh, no. So Yeah, sure. That counts. It's infrastructure. It's great. It's good. Build more art spaces. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's just a matter of how, how do we use it? Yeah. You know, who has access to it? Mm -hmm. Like, can, you know, the people that we work with, can they do an event there? Or what types of criteria are they looking at in terms of choosing who's going to be using the space? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. And, you know, it's great to have more spaces. No, but it's interesting speaking about physical space. While we've been talking about how XXX isn't tied to the space, it's true that performances match spaces in certain ways. Like when you know that something is happening at a certain venue, you have a preconceived notion about what that thing is going to be like, what that night is going to be like. Which is why it is important still to have small underground places because we can't all be like in hotels or um, in fashion stores, right? Where we have all been to events in those yeah context yeah i was just i was telling Cassidy how it's 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 hard to just take the xxx crowd and like put them you know in a different space and just like do what you normally do it's like it doesn't work like that really you know it's just like dance <laughs> so that's that's why i actually kind of i'm kind of interested in uh maybe segue into you know i know that you know uh, james you're taking on a, a new chapter in your life to to promote cultural events maybe you can talk a little bit about after Triple X, you take on another role in uh, Eaton House? Yeah, so Eaton Hotel Eaton is rebranding and hopefully um, I can, you know, the spirit of XXX can live on in some form. And my colleague Chantal, who had a gallery named Things That Can Happen in Shum Shai Po for two years and it closed down, I think about nine months ago. Um, same for her. So a lot of these places that are closing, um, are Holy Motors as well, Luke's thing, for for those type of projects to live on um, within Eaton because Eaton has a mission and pillars of like creativity, sustainability, wellness, um, and would like to foster local talent, but not in the exact same way as XXX. So right, it's not gonna be exactly. like people throwing up in the corner or like <laughs> in the corner, hopefully. Um, but yeah, in some form. So we've been partnering with some clubs to do one-off pop-up events. Those will continue. On top of that, there have been a couple spaces in Hong Kong that have been contacting us um, 
about doing something more regular, like a weekly or a monthly there and using the triple X brand and all this. So looking at some options, but just like James was saying earlier, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be thoughtful about it. Um, you can't just expect people just go there and feel the same. It's a different space. So, you know, every, any partnership is always a brand new thing. If you have A plus B, it's always going to become C. You can't expect like A or B to be part of that equation anymore. Um, so just trying to, you know, pick and choose and see what makes sense. Um, you know, there's always that thirst. There's always that temptation to go, hey, let's go get, let's go get a new warehouse space. Let's go do something. You know? um, <laughs> is, that in, is that in the consideration? Or? I don't know, man. Knowing the two of you have been with X all this time, you guys clearly have an appetite for risks. Right. Like that's my understanding to stick with it that long. You must like risk to some degree. And right now, um, what's in your future? While I'm really excited to see what happens, it doesn't say risk to me. So are you like taking a break from that right now? Or is like just gearing yourself up for the next big plunge? Calm before the storm. <laughs> Riders on the storm. Um I mean, I, I could stand to have a few months to chill out. All right, like <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Like, I, I definitely, I definitely want that. I need to get my mind in order. I need to focus on my family for a few months. I need to get things sorted. I need to chill the fuck out for a bit. Um, but a really funny thing did happen a couple of weeks ago at Sonar, at Sonar Festival. I was walking and like I ran into um, a Gong, Gong. Yeah. You know him, yes. Yeah. Um, He's like the cultural director of Hong Kong, pretty much like the ultimate guy, right? And he like, does yeah. work at um, yeah. West Kowloon, West Kowloon M Space there. Mm -hmm. I think he's yeah. the cultural director there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And like, he's the guy that plays the violin, you know, he's a, a special dude. And um, he ran into me and he was like, you can't hide. Oh. Don't hide. <laughs> you can't go into hiding. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe you said that. Yeah. That is like incredibly flattering to get that from a guy like that. It's almost like say, nominating you. Like, well, he's like basically yeah. saying, we need you to do this. You can't just like hide. This yeah. is what you do. This is what you need to keep doing. And that really did. I did feel that close to my heart. But at the same time, you know, someone else can step up and do something like, like I, I, I put like a good seven years in on this. Like <laughs> I got white hair and shit. Like 21 year old kids rock, rocking these streets. Yeah. They can do some shit. <laughs> Obama. <laughs> Barack Obama. It's like he's knighting you, like you've you've been knighted with this uh, me. duty, you know? Like this this encounter, it kind of sounds like that, but I totally hear you like he's an awesome dude. Hopefully, I mean who knows? Maybe over the past seven years, like what you guys did ignited something in a young person who's like 17, 18 mm. right now. And they're gonna have the ability or they're gonna have that like to hell with it. We're gonna do it regardless, right? Yeah. I mean, th this is the thing, honestly, like we all live our lives day to day. And, you know, m maybe you care about people and about society and change more or less, but we all probably have an impact on people around us and hopefully a good one, you know, family and friends at, at all. But like, because of this project that wasn't me, that wasn't you, it was its own thing. It did kind of have a megaphone effect to have a larger impact on you know, tens, hundreds, thousands, like that is special. And you just hope that that's positive and right. you know, take some, take, take heart in some of that.